seated this morning. We've been uh, doing the series on This Is My Story. And so this morning I'm going to share my story with you. So it'll be an easy transition. Um, my salvation, I grew up in church. So the part of my story I want to share is basically the uh, trip or the moving to Texas that happened. So uh, it was in May of 2017. And me and my wife and my family were uh, part of a ministry. We were full-time and ministering. And the, the board of that organization, um, we were talking, and they said, hey, we're going to meet, and we're going to, uh, we're talking about shutting this ministry down, which was a little bit easier for them because they wasn't drawing a salary <laughs> from it. Um, and not that it was a, a huge salary. We, de we definitely wasn't like Creflo Dollar or Jesse Duplantis by any means. It was, a, it was, I would say, a humble, humble salary. And uh, I immediately was praying and asking God, I said, God, I want to do what you want to do. And I don't want me to get in the way, my worries, but you've got you've to help us out. And so we, uh, the week of that meeting that was supposed to happen, Thursday I get a call from Ryan Somm, who's the owner of the Chick-fil-A here in Bastrop. And he's like, hey, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a store. I'm super pumped, and I would, you was on my mind. I would love for you to come and work with me, help me run my store. Uh, and I was, you know, taken away. And I was like, well, man, uh, yeah, we'll pray about it. I don't know. We'll see. I didn't tell him no. And uh, we went to that meeting Sunday. The, the, the verdict was made, and we were trying to make ends meet. I was doing construction work with a friend of mine trying to, uh, just make money to pay the bills and we had some friends of ours that uh, came together and they were like hey we want to give you a uh, two month salary uh, double your salary of what you were making to help y'all in this transition and so that was like the first thing Jesus right there just stepped in and boom helped us and uh, we started praying and I just couldn't get Texas out of my mind even though it was 13 hours away from our family and everything that we knew and I was like, man, I think this is what God wants us to do. I, I, and this is kind of the way I said it. So I'm not going to blame God for this. But we really have no other option. <laughs> so it's like, uh, we can go do this. So we, we uh, got ready to move, man. We got a Penske truck set up. We had those two months covered that they had given us. And so I'm like, I'm going to call Ryan and see when he wants us to start, when he gets his store. And he's like, hey, man, I'm, I get the store in September. And me and Melanie were like, gosh, what are we going to do about August, you know? Because, I mean, we were living paycheck to paycheck at the time. And uh, he's like, but I want you to come a month early and start on August the 1st with the transition. And we're like, man, there's another Jesus right there. And we go and rent our Penske truck. We show up to get it, and somebody has shown up and paid for our move, $1,000 towards the Penske truck. Um, we call, and we're trying to find a place to live. And I, obviously, Bastrop is like the popular it's the hopping place right now because or at that time because we couldn't find anywhere everything was booked no rooms were open so we called um the last place and they're like hey we have a room available when are you coming to work and i was like, my first day is on august first is tuesday they're like we got somebody moving out friday before you can move in this weekend we were like thank you jesus and uh i told melanie i said either these are a lot of coincidences which some people would think or god wants us in texas and so we moved out, and I'm going to tell you, through that transition and through that time of us being in that ministry, our hearts were broken. And to be honest, I didn't want anything to really do with the church. 
Um, I didn't want to, I definitely didn't want to be doing what I'm doing right now. Uh, lead worship again. The last ministry, we were literally doing everything, you know, it was all in our laps. And, and I was hurt with God. And I was like, you know, I'll move to Texas and I'm going to get in the business world. And we're going to leave this, this church business along. <laughs> we'll leave it to strong men like Jason. And uh, I get here. And my dad's talking to me on the phone one day. He says, son, you can run, but you can't hide. And the way that the doors were open for us to be here, I know, I don't know how y'all were thinking. I know y'all went through transition and then somebody new coming in. And I know that I'm supposed to be filling a position, but it's been a blessing to me. There's not a Sunday morning that I get up that when we get on a song and y'all open up and start singing with me, that it doesn't break my heart to hear people praising the Lord, genuine people that wants to see a move of God. And so I'm excited to be locking arms with y'all. And um, that's my testimony for moving here. And I'm glad to see what God's going to do in the next few years. So let's sing a couple more chords of this song. Guys, uh, thankful for Jacob. Uh, he told me when we started the, 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 this new series, he said, I might, I might want to give a, a testimony. And I said, man, that's awesome. I'll, I'll just kind of put you in the queue. I don't know when uh, that might happen. I had two different people that I was hoping would line up for this Sunday. And for some reason, that just didn't happen with either of them. So I called him like Friday. I was like, dude, I, I think the Lord's trying to say you're the one. And so um, thankful for that. Um, if you have your Bibles, again, we're in John chapter 1, starting verse 43. And we're studying this book of John together in this new series called This Is My Story. And, and the reason that we're, we're doing that is, is because uh, John writes his gospel for a very specific purpose. And so in chapter 20, verse 31, he says this. He says, I've written this so that um, you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in His name. And so that means that this gospel um, isn't necessary, meant, necessarily meant to be a history account. It's not really a biography of Jesus, but rather these are stories that John specifically has, has woven together so that the people that read them might see that Jesus is the Messiah. So the best way to interpret the book of John is to see it as all these stories that John has particularly put in this place, and each one of them is meant to point to Jesus. Now, they do that in a lot of different ways. Some of them are miracles, and they, they point to Jesus' divinity. Some of them are, are his teachings, of course, that, that prove that he had authority, that the religious rulers that didn't. But a lot of things that we find in John are unique to his gospel because they are these interactions with people. And that's going to be our focus. We're going to focus on when Jesus comes into contact with people and how their lives are contained. Because there's a reason for each of these stories, and I think you'll see that this morning as we talk about a little-known disciple named Nathaniel. Named Nathaniel. So join me in a word of prayer if you don't mind. Father, thank you for loving us. Um, we pray this morning that you would just lead us and guide us, and that you would teach us your word. Father, we come before you, and we just admit that we need you. God, we need you. And, and forgive us for often in life we act like we don't. Often in life we act like we have it all together. We act like we are somehow the source of provision in our lives. We know, as Jacob just testified, that is not the case. We know that everything we have is a gift from your hand, including the breath in our lungs. And so God, this morning, our prayer is that you would meet with us in a special way. That uh, it would be as if your very presence were sitting next to us in the pew, and that you were speaking directly to us one-on-one. -on -one. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would do that. We pray that you would magnify King Jesus in our midst. And Jesus, as you were lifted up, we pray that we would be transformed into your image and into your likeness. We pray all of these things in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen. 
Amen, amen, amen. So guys, I'm in John chapter 1, starting in verse uh, 43. John chapter 1, starting in verse 43. And it says this, it says, The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. He found Philip and he told him, follow me. Now something has happened here, something has transpired we talked about last week. You may remember that John the Baptist had, had testified that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He says earlier, uh, this is the Son of God. And he says, this, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now two of his disciples that were with him when he makes this proclamation immediately get up and begin to follow Jesus. They seek out Jesus. They say, Rabbi, um, where are you staying? And Jesus is like, well, come and find out. And so two of John the Baptist's disciples go with Jesus and evidently spend the, the remainder of that day in the evening with Jesus. Then the next day is, is what we're going to read about, okay? In between these two, what, what, what we're kind of passing over because it's covered in other Gospels, is the calling of Andrew. And Andrew has a brother named Simon. And so Andrew, when he receives a calling from Jesus, is going to go find his brother Simon. He's going to say, hey, I found the Messiah. And, and, and so this leaves us with this account. And, and Jesus comes to a man named Philip. And listen to what he says again. Next day, Jesus decides to leave Galilee. He finds Philip and he tells him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida at the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law. And so did the prophets, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathanael asked him. Come and see, Philip answered. Then Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, and he said about him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked, before Philip called you? When you were under the fig tree, I saw you, Jesus answered. Rabbi, Nathanael replied, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus responded, do you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So, we left off last week with John the Baptist. We studied his life. We learned that our stories are meant to, to give him glory. We learned that sometimes when life gets tough... Right? We can, we can suffer doubt. Even, even the best of us can suffer doubt. John, John the Baptist certainly did. And so uh, now John the Apostle presents his second kind of case or argument, right, for the, the deity of Christ. And so we, we studied the life of John the Baptist this morning. We're going to study the life of Nathaniel. And so Nathaniel's story begins with a friend uh, named Philip, right? And, and, and our belief, okay, our belief is that Philip is probably one of the two disciples. We know Andrew is the other. We believe that Philip is probably the other disciple with Andrew because he knows Simon, or he knows Peter and he knows Andrew. That he was the other disciple of John the Baptist that goes with Jesus and spends the afternoon and evening with him. And, and we have no account of what they talked about. Can you imagine? Can, can, I, I don't even, I'm even trying to imagine where, where did they go? Where did they go to, to sit down? And, and, and what did they talk about? What did Jesus tell them that so convinced both Andrew and Philip to go to someone else and say, Hey, we found him. I wonder what Jesus must reveal to them. It's interesting. The synoptics don't, don't tell us. None of the other gospels tell us what went on. But, but this is what we know, right? 
So Andrew immediately follows, calls his brother Simon. Simon's going to follow him. Uh, Verse 43, it says, Jesus seeks out Philip the, the next day and says, follow me, right? Follow me. And Philip immediately goes and seeks out someone else. Now, uh, Scripture doesn't tell us if Philip had a, a, a brother or not. Uh, I like to say that Nathaniel, as, as my brother Chris would say, is his brother from another mother. Amen. Right? And so what, what happens, like, evidently he doesn't have a brother to call. And so what does he do? He runs to, who, to his best friend, to a man named Nathaniel. Now, perhaps you've never heard the, the disciple named Nathaniel. Maybe you've read through the list of the disciples. You go, who is this Nathaniel? Historians believe that it is the one that is listed in the list of the disciples, the, the original 12 disciples, as Bartholomew. Bartholomew. The word bar in Hebrew means son of... And it would be son of Ptolemy. And the reason why we believe this is because every time in the synoptic gospels, when Philip is mentioned, he's always mentioned with Bartholomew. Seems like they're best buds. And here in the gospel of John, we find out these two evidently are best buds. And it's interesting because only John is going to record the details of the calling of Nathaniel. Only John. So we ask ourselves, why would John include this story? Right? Mark doesn't include the story. Right? Luke, who, who comes after and interviews everybody, doesn't include this story. Right? So why does John include this story? Because the, the, these are all of the details we'll ever find out about this guy named Nathaniel are in this one little section of Scripture. So why would John include it? I'm going to tell you why. Okay? Because I believe, again, just like last week with John the Baptist, I believe that John the Apostle was making a case for what happens with people that truly believe in Jesus. I believe what happens with Nathaniel is significant enough that John believes when you hear his story, you'll believe in Jesus Christ. All right? That's what he believes. When you hear the story of Nathaniel, when you hear how, how Jesus called him, when you understand the lesson behind it, you too will, will know that there's something different about Jesus. And so he's going to reveal to us something very true about the character of Jesus. So we're going to learn one lesson, hopefully, um, from the life of Nathaniel. And we're going to hear two declarations about, about, who, uh, about the identity of Christ, both coming in this story. Two declarations that are, again, kind of like John the Baptist, the very first declaration. Uh, you, you are the Son of God, and, and behold the Lamb of God. Two more significant declarations happen in this one story, okay? So two declarations we're looking for, all right? And we're going to look for one lesson out of the life of John. And so here it is. Just one thing I want you to walk away with this morning. And I know that sounds crazy. I told my wife I have about a 30-minute message with one point. She said, you need to get on with it. So... Um, here we go. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best. So uh, one, one lesson I want you to understand this morning that we can learn from the life of Nathaniel. And it's this, Jesus really sees us. Okay? Not just him, he sees us. You know what I'm saying? Like, like other people see you, but Jesus really sees you. Right? And, and not only does he really see you, uh, he really sees you, and he still, having seen you, calls you to himself. Right? You, you follow me? I mean, this is, this is not just Jesus sees you and calls you. No, Jesus really sees you. I mean, he sees you like no one else sees you. And in spite of seeing you like no one else sees you, without the makeup, without the, the, the dressed up clothes, without the, the, the spiritual walk of, oh, everything's fine. Like, Jesus sees the mess in you and he still calls you to himself. It's amazing. Amen. 
It's, it's amazing. I think that's a lesson we learn from Nathaniel. And so, so again, uh, interesting, the very first two disciples are called, the first one name is? Andrew. Andrew. Say it loudly. It's okay. With confidence. Andrew! It was Andrew. We didn't, we didn't cover it. I told you we didn't cover it. We kind of skimmed it. But, he, but Andrew. He said, Andrew, come follow me. Andrew goes and finds Simon Peter, right? The second disciple that's called, his name is Philip. And what does Philip do? Interesting, both these guys do the same thing. Are you starting to see a pattern in John's writing that maybe he's writing for a purpose that we might all understand that we're all called to go and, and witness to others, that we're called to go and tell our story? And so the first guy, John the Baptist, he, he, his story is, is, I found him. Behold, the, the Son of God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So he testifies, he, he, he bears witness to the deity of Jesus. As he bears witness, two of his followers then follow Jesus and say, where are you staying? And, and when they come to a, a belief in Jesus Christ, then they each go and bear witness to someone that they know. Right? So Andrew goes and he bears witness. He said, listen to my story, Peter. We have found the Messiah. And then Philip goes and he bears witness to his friend Nathaniel. He's like, hey, dude. We have found him. Both of them share the purpose of the Apostle John that others might believe in Jesus and have life, right? It's a big deal. So Philip goes to his friend Nathaniel and he says, Hey, hey, listen, we found him. Actually, that's not exactly what he says. This is what he says on verse 45. Philip finds Nathaniel and he tells him, We have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law. Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth, Right? Now, I, I want to break that down a little bit, unpack it a little bit. It doesn't seem like a lot, this statement. We found the one uh, that Moses wrote about in the law, uh, Jesus, the Son of Nazareth. But I, I think that statement really means two things. And so I gave you lots of room to write in your notes, just if you want to write anything down. I wanted to give you space. Uh, the first thing that tells us is that they've been searching. You follow me? Like you don't find something you're not looking for. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you, you, you don't find something if you're not searching. I mean, a lot of people go through life, they ain't looking for anything, and they don't find anything either. Right? Just walk through life. Just, just. But these two young men were searching. They, they were searching for the Messiah. They were looking for the Messiah. Listen, our belief is, is not just that Philip was a follower of John the Baptist. We believe Nathaniel was a follower of John the Baptist too. All these people were from the same region. They all knew one another. We think all of these people had gone out to the desert to hear the voice of the one in the desert calling, get ready for the Lord. Right? And so, so we don't have any documentation that these guys were baptized, but we know clearly they were seekers. So that's the first thing you got to know about Nathaniel. He was searching for God. The second thing that we know about um, these young men is evidently that they knew the Scriptures. That they knew the Scriptures. Look, look, listen to what... Hey, let, let's, let's, let's put these two up again. So I want you to see the difference between what Philip says to Nathaniel and what Andrew says to Peter. Okay, so let's check out Andrew first because he says it first to his brother. So Andrew says this to his brother, um, uh, we found the Messiah. I don't know, maybe, maybe that's just he's a man of a few words. Found him, Peter. Yep. That's it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is he over there? Mm-hmm. So we're supposed to go that way? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Andrew, I, I don't know. We don't have a lot of words. We don't have a sermon recorded. But maybe he's just a man, a few words. But, but what he comes to his brother, or maybe it's actually Peter. He knows his brother's a little, <laughs> my brother's not the sharpest knife in the shed. Hey, guess what? I found the Messiah, Peter. Come on. Come on, Simon. Uh, we don't know. We don't know. 
But that's, that, that's what Andrew says to Simon Peter. Hey, we have found the Messiah. Now, now again, let's put that against what Philip says to Nathaniel. Check out again. We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, Jesus the son of Joseph from Nazareth. We have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law. Do you see the difference? You see the difference? I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. John MacArthur believes this is proof that these guys were searching the scriptures together. That they had been studying the Old Testament, looking at the prophecies of the coming Messiah. They were waiting for the Lord. They were searching, and so they found Him. And, and now I want you to listen, guys. This is a huge declaration. What Philip says right here, right, in other places, like, like, like Jesus will say, Blessed are you because this was not revealed to you by man, but this was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. This is one of those moments, right? Because I want you to see what Philip says here, just, just in, in, in going to his friends, hey, Nathaniel, guess what we have found? What he says in this single statement is, is so huge. It's the first time it's going to be uttered. Okay? This is what he says, right? We have found the one... Uh, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. That's what he says. I want, as you see, Philip's the first one that puts these two together. All of the Old Testament points to Jesus. Jesus at one point will speak to the religious rulers and he'll say this. He'll say, uh, you search the scriptures, right? But you, you, you don't know them. Because he says, for if you believe Moses, you would believe in me. Because he wrote about me. So the first huge declaration of faith, the reason we, I believe we have Nathaniel's story, because of this declaration of Philip, that he says, listen, Jesus is the one that all of the words of Moses, that all of the Old Testament point to. Huge. It's huge. Huge declaration, right? Now, now having heard that declaration, how does this great man of faith named Nathaniel, how does he respond when, when he has heard, I have found the one, right, who Moses wrote about, the one that we've been studying, the one that we've been searching for. Hey, hey, Philip's going, Nathaniel, I have found him. We have found the one that Moses wrote about in the Scriptures. How does this great searcher of truth respond? Ready? Here you go. Can anything good come from Nazareth? That's his response. Now, he knows the scriptures. He's been searching for the Messiah. So the truth comes his way. And they're like, hey, hey, listen, Nathaniel, we have found the one. And by the way, his name is uh, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Now, what is this? Is this, is this doubt? Is this a lack of faith? No. What we believe this is, is cultural prejudice. It's important, this story. It's timely for our world. Cultural prejudice. You see, here's the deal. That section of the world was no different from any other section of the world that people carried around contempt for other people. They looked down on other people, even if they themselves were looked down upon. And so the religious rulers of the day uh, lived in Jerusalem, the city of God. And they dressed like they lived in the city of God, the religious rulers. You knew that somebody was religious based on their gown and how they walked about and all the tassels and how they held their head up and how they prayed with their hands outstretched and their beautiful garments. You, you, Jerusalem was the place to be, right? I grew up in a little town called Friendswood, Texas. And uh, I, uh, I did not uh, grow up on the side of the tracks that was known as Friendswood. 
Now that side of the tracks, when you went to Friendswood High School, they were called the Mustangs, and it seemed like every kid, uh, now there were some wealthy homes, large homes, it seemed like every kid that went to that school drove a Mustang. And they got a brand new one when they turned 16. And another new one after they wrecked that one, right? It's just, that was that. They're Friendswood. So when people would think of Friendswood, they'd say, oh, wow, you, you really came from some... No. I was on the other side of the tracks of Friendswood, Texas, and we went to Clearbrook High School where we fought and brought knives to school and got arrested. Right? You following me? Every town has another side of the track. So, so here's the deal. The religious rulers, man, they, they are the white collar. They live in Jerusalem. They look down on anybody from this region of Galilee because they were blue collared fishermen, worked with their hands kind of people. And so when Jesus comes, and he's going to come from this region, when he's going to call 12 men to follow him, and they're going to come from this region, man, the religious rulers out of cultural prejudice are going to reject that. But what I want you to see is the men that Jesus called, they too struggled with contempt for one another. Because Jesus calls this man named Nathaniel and says, come follow me. And we have found the Messiah. And oh, by the way, he's from Nazareth. And Philip says, Nazareth? You see, even in the region of Galilee, there were better class citizens than others. Nathaniel was from a place called Cana. We're going we're gonna to see that in a bit. In chapter 3, Jesus is going to perform his first miracle there at a wedding. And he thought pretty highly of himself. Cana was a lot better than Nazareth. Friends, what I'm trying to tell you is, is that Jesus sees that kind of ugly stuff in people. And maybe you've tried to hide it well. Maybe you've tried to put some makeup on it. Tried to act like you don't feel that way. You don't feel contempt for somebody of another color or somebody from another city or from another place in town, from another socioeconomic status. But you can't hide those feelings from God. Okay? So I just, I just want you to hear that. I just want you to hear that. So, so, so that's what's going on. Now, now, now listen. I, I, this is cool. How does Philip respond when somebody says that? Right? I just want you to imagine for a second. Because, by the way, we have prejudice on all kinds of things. But perhaps this week you're going to go out and share your story with somebody. They're going to say, that's awesome. Where do you go to church? You're going to say, I go to First Baptist. And they're going to say, oh, those Baptists. Those, those stiff-necked, don't drink, don't do, no fun, boycott Disney, boycott. Those Baptists, you go to, oh, never mind. How do you respond? When you say, hey, I want you to, I want you to come check out our church. And you, and you live in Maynard. And you say, Where, where's our church? It's in Elgin. And the people in Maynard go, Elgin. Right? How, how do you respond when you live in Bastrop? And say, hey, hey, I want you to come check out my church. And say, wait, 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 where's your church at? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's in Elgin. And the people in Bastrop go, Elgin. People in Elgin, by the way, do the same thing about those other people. Everybody's got to have somebody they don't want. How do you respond to cultural prejudice? How do you respond when, when, when you, go, you invite somebody and their prejudice uh, comes to the surface? Well, you respond a lot like Philip did. Just come and see. And just come and see. Just come and see. Just come and check it out. So that's what he says. He says, he says come and, and see. And so Nathaniel does, right? And when he does, Jesus says to him, Behold, an, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Right? He sees Nathaniel come, behold an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Now that probably means two things, right? One, it means that uh, Nathaniel doesn't necessarily pull any punches. You always know what he's thinking. All right? That's good. Don't, don't ever have to, you always know what he's thinking. The second thing it means is Jesus is probably saying, behold a true Israelite. 
Right? This isn't one of the phonies that dresses up, right? That, that whose place is from Jerusalem. This is somebody genuinely seeking God. This isn't somebody that went out to the to, to the baptisms of John the Baptist and stood on the shore and mocked people. Right? No, this is somebody that, that went and was genuinely seeking after God. So Jesus probably means these two things about this young man named Nathaniel. And and, and so uh, Nathaniel responds like this, verse 48, right? Wait a second, how, how, do you, how do you know me, right? To which Jesus said, I saw you when you were underneath the fig tree, right? When you were underneath the fig tree. Nathaniel responds, verse 49, second proclamation, right? You are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Second great proclamation, you are the Son of God. Second time we've heard that, you're the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. You're its rightful King. Why does Nathaniel respond that way? Is Jesus just saying, some, some, some commentators, some scholars, they think, well, Jesus is just saying, hey, I saw you over there under that tree right there. I can see you from where I am. Nathaniel does not respond that way. Nathaniel is not responding like, oh, yeah, I was 100 yards away and you saw me. Oh, you're the king of Israel. Woo, you've got good eyesight. Right? That is, that is not the problem. What, what Jesus has revealed to Nathaniel is something that was unseen. Right? Something that was unseen. So why? Well, here's what we believe. So the fig tree, historically, okay, Jewish culture, is, is a place of blessing and security. Right? And so in that culture, it was often that houses didn't have like necessarily a lot of windows or anything like that. It would be hot, stuffy, loud, people cooking. So, so uh, you would often, the, the homes would get so hot, you would often plant trees near your home. Right? And, 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 and one of the most common trees you would plant is a fig tree because it had these huge leaves. It would grow really big and you could sit underneath its shade and you always had food to eat. And so, so many people would go out and it was under their fig tree that they would, they would meditate and pray. They, it was under their fig tree that they would, they would spend time seeking the Lord. And so what Jesus is saying to Nathaniel is, hey, yeah, I saw you there in, in your, your hiding place, in your quiet place. When you were seeking God out, I saw you seeking, Nathaniel. I saw you seeking. But listen, Jesus didn't just see those, those, that intimate seeking. He didn't just see the light in Nathaniel. He also saw the darkness, right? If he said, hey, I saw you under the fig tree, that's probably the place that he was sitting, maybe even praying or meditating, when Philip comes to him and says, hey, guess what? I found him, the one that Moses wrote about. <laughs> that means that Jesus is saying like, hey, I saw that too. I saw the ugliness too, right? I saw the dirtiness in you too. And here is the beauty of the story, right? I mean, this is, this is the great, in spite of that, in spite, he's like, I know your innermost thought. I have met you in your hiding place, but I've also seen the ugliness in your heart. Nathaniel, why don't you come and follow me? You see it? I don't know about you. There have been many days that I've felt unworthy of being called a Christian or a Christ follower. And this story is this great reminder that God is looking for lost and broken people. Yes. That's who He's looking for. He's looking for people that are looking for Him. And He doesn't care that their resume is spotless. He's not looking for people that have put a ton of work into trying to clean themselves up. He's going to handle that. He will meet you where you are, but He loves you too much to leave you there. Okay? There's always more to the story. So what do we learn from this story of Nathaniel and, and what I call the Hagar moment. You remember Hagar? You remember Hagar? 
God made Abraham a promise that, hey, you're going to be the father of many nations. Wasn't working out with him and Sarah. Sarah says, hey, I got a plan. Why don't you sleep with my young, beautiful handmaiden? And Abraham, you know, being a man of God, well, I guess so. Sure, honey, if you want me to, but I'm not going to enjoy it. Hagar gets pregnant, right? Sarah immediately begins to have contempt. Oh, there it is again. Contempt. She has contempt for Hagar is so abused, not necessarily physically, but she runs away in the middle of the desert. She's, she's ready to die. And that's when an angel of the Lord shows up and says, no, I'm going to make your son into a great nation too. You hang in there. You go back, Hagar. I've got a plan. I've got a plan. And that is where she says, behold, today I have seen El Roi. Today I have seen the God who sees me. Here's my hope and my prayer for you this morning. I pray this morning you would know that the God who sees you is right here with you. I want you to know that he sees all the hidden places. I want you to know that he sees how you seek him. But he also sees all the sin and the places that you fall short and fail. And he still says, my child, follow me. I don't know what to call that other than what John calls it in John chapter 1. Grace upon grace. Amen. So let me give you some application. We'll be done. I know I've got to get you to Sunday school. Three things very quickly. Number one, accept the grace and love of God. Catherine is laughing at me because it, like, I'm supposed to be done. She's like laughing. Now we're getting to application. Okay. I told her I wrote 15 pages, which is over my page limit. So we're, we're doing our best here. Okay. Number one, accept the grace and love of God. Okay. God sees you. He sees everything about you. He sees the ugliness. He sees it all. God saw Hagar's hurt. He saw Philip's prejudice. He sees you too. All of you. He sees your hopes. He sees your fears. He sees your failures. And he still says, come. Come follow me. Let's hang out. Come be mine. Right? Accept that. Accept that. Can you, do, do you see the grace before you? Do you see the love before you? Do not sit in your guilt and miss the grace. Do, do not sit in, in, in your chains of your sin bound to your shame and miss the invitation to come and follow, right? I mean, receive that grace, please. You have to. By the way, friends, grace always has to be received. Grace is available. You have to receive it. You have to accept it. Second thing, ready? Follow Jesus. So Jesus doesn't just express grace and love and truth. He then says, knowing all that, here's my grace. You come and follow me. That means something, by the way. Following Jesus means that we leave where we are. It means that we leave the place that we've camped out. Historically in the Bible, when the Israelites would camp out, they were typically camped out in bitterness. Did you know that? They were. I mean, that's what it meant. Complaint. Right? Bitterness to camp out. That's what it meant. I don't know what you're camped out in this morning. I don't know if you're camped out in your guilt. I don't know if you're camped out in your shame. I don't know if you're camped out in your prejudice. But I do know that the invitation of Jesus is the same for all of us. Come. Come. Ready? Not just come. And follow me. Leave where you are. Walk in my footsteps. 
Just follow me. You know that life's not as hard as we make it out to be. Did you know that? I don't know about you. How many people went somewhere this week and you put in coordinates on your phone? You, you, you used GPS. Anybody? I, I did. I used it twice this week. Anybody else? We had basketball games. I didn't know where I was going. Okay? Like three of you. Okay? How many of you have used it in the last month, GPS on your phone? Isn't it a blessing? Isn't it a blessing when you have somebody tell you where to go? Or you, you, you put it in and all you have to do is focus on what's in front of you. Amen. Follow Jesus. Just focus on what's in front of you. Life is not as hard as you're making it. It's not. Okay? Last thing, ready? You're going to hear this every week almost. Be a witness. Be a witness. John the Baptist was. Andrew was. Philip was. We're called to be too. Every single one of us has a story. It's time we get out there and start sharing it. All right, join me in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. We pray as we um, conclude our time studying your word that you now be with us as we enter into this time of, of giving uh, unto you a portion of all that you've given us. Be blessed, Lord. Let us be faithful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, our ushers are coming forward to take up the morning offering. Then uh, Miss Catherine is going to come up and, and lead us in a few important announcements. And so uh, we just want to encourage you just to be faithful as the Lord has been faithful unto you. Uh, a tithe is 10%. That's what it is. That's what the Bible says. We don't make up that number. Anything above that is considered an offering, and, and, and you can do that as well. If you're not a member, you don't have to give. We're just giving you a, 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 a free card there. Um, it's not that you can't. We're just saying you don't have to. And This is the responsibility of membership here at our church. Uh, as members of the church, we commit to praying for our church, serving our church, giving to our church. Okay, those things are part of what we do. And so let me pray for us. Father, um, bless this offering and may it bring glory to you. God, thank you for being a God who sees us and knows us. And in spite of that, still calling us. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.